Welcome to Docs in a Pod, presented by WellMed. Over the next half hour, Docs in a Pod will educate you about the health and wellness of adults everywhere. Co-hosts Dr. Audrey Baria and award-winning veteran broadcaster Ron Aaron will share information to improve your health and well-being. And now, here are Ron Aaron and Dr. Audrey Baria. Well, hello and welcome to Docs in a Pod. I'm Ron Aaron, the award-winning Docs in a Pod podcast available wherever you get your podcasts. And some of you hear us over the radio as well. We're delighted to have you with us. And with us today, as uh, we are pleased to say, is our co-host, Dr. Audrey Barria. Dr. Barria is a medical director for WellMed Medical Management. She's been part of the WellMed family for seven years just celebrated her seventh anniversary with WellMed, and currently she's a provider at the WellMed at Ninth Avenue North Clinic in St. Petersburg, Florida. Her interest in becoming a doctor began at a young age thanks to her uncle, who was a general practitioner, a GP, and she went on to get her medical degree from the University School of Medicine in Portsmouth, Dominica, and then uh, also got a residency in OBGYN, and we're delighted to have her with us. She I uh, had a fellowship at St. Mary's Hospital in Hoboken, New Jersey. Dr. Barry is board certified in family medicine, which she will readily admit she loves. And as a sidelight, when she's not practicing medicine, she loves to travel. And uh, I love to travel along with her virtually and see the photos of many of the trips she has taken. And Audrey, it's great to have you on again. Oh, it's great to be back, Ron. Well, be back for folks who don't know. Your most recent trip took you where? To Singapore for Formula One. My husband's an avid fan. So I think every year we're going to pick a destination to go watch the F1 races. Hey, you go to Austin. It's a lot closer to uh, than, than going <laughs> on the other side of the pond, right? Very true. So I think it'll be Austin and then one more place for next year. Well, that's cool. Well, if you get to Austin, we'll bring it down to San Antonio and... Uh, Maybe share a little dinner with you. Yes, that would be lovely. So we have a great, important topic today, which uh, we don't talk enough about, pancreatic cancer. And our special guest is Dr. John Root. He's been on before, and we talked about polypharmacy with him a while back. He's with WellMed at Rockport. He's a physician there and earned his medical degree from University of British Columbia in Vancouver, British Columbia, completed his residency at Dalhousie University Family Medicine Program in Halifax, and Dr. Root is board certified by the American Board of Family Physicians. Are you a Canadian by chance, Dr. Root? Yes, I'm from Canada. I'm Canadian. I'm actually American now as well. I have I have both. Well, that's cool. Canada recognizes dual citizenship. Yes, it does. Well, if things politically don't go right, we'll follow you back to Canada. Uh, I prefer Texas. I, I really enjoy living here in Rockport. I don't see those going who, anywhere on. For, for those who don't know, Rockport is on the Gulf and a beautiful, beautiful place to be. You know, I, I love it here. Yeah, you, it's gonna, oh, that's cool. I don't know what it'll take to get me on a Rockport run. It's going <laughs> to take more than a political problem, that's for sure. Well, obviously, a hurricane didn't get you out of there. Nope. Nope. Because it was hit not too many years ago. So, Dr. Yeah, Root. That was six years ago. We were talking off the air a moment, and, and you were. Uh, telling us that this is not a happy topic, but it's an important one. The whole question about understanding pancreatic cancer. Can you give us the 411? How do you know you have it? How do you diagnose it? How do you treat it? 
everything we need to know about pancreatic cancer. So pancreatic cancer, you know, is well known, uh, you know, to the population given some of the celebrities that have suffered from this. So some names that come to mind are Patrick Swayze and Michael Landon. They both uh, passed away from pancreatic cancer. So uh, lifetime risk for pancreatic cancer for an American is 1 in 64. Uh, so it represents about 3% of all the cancers that we would find in the U.S. Uh, there's probably about 60,000 cases diagnosed every year. Uh, so it's not a common cancer that we frequently uh, talk about in terms of you know, colon cancer, breast cancer. Everybody uh, visits with us about these for screening and so on, but not pancreatic cancer. And we'll talk about why you know screening uh, for that here in a bit. So unfortunately, uh, the, the time that you find out when you have pancreatic cancer is when you have symptoms, uh, unless it's an unusual situation where it's incidentally found by another test, by a scan. So you'd asked about symptoms. So usually by the time a patient presents with pancreatic cancer, they're going to have abdominal pain. It's going to be upper abdominal pain, usually rated into the back. And they would typically have other very concerning symptoms such as uh, change in stool color, jaundice, which is a yellowing, orangey uh, skin change, weight loss, and night sweats. These are all typical presenting uh, symptoms for a patient with pancreatic cancer. Dr. Ruth, hold that thought. I'm going to hang on one second. Let me let folks know who just joined us that you are listening to Docs in a Pod. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host. Delighted to have Dr. Audrey Barrio with us again. And uh, we're talking with Dr. John Root, a physician, Wellman at Rockport, talking about pancreatic cancer. And Audrey, I'm sorry I interrupted you. No, that's okay, Ron. Um, and wouldn't you say, Dr. Root, that depression could be one of those, I don't want to say silent um, symptoms, but most times overlooked because depression can come with so many other comorbidities. Right. I failed to mention depression because to your point, you know, we see depression. Depression is one of the most common things that we would see in, in family practice. So we wouldn't necessarily draw the conclusion that a patient had a pancreatic cancer because they were depressed. But to your point, if the patient's having pancreatic cancer, they are probably going to have mood symptoms that need to be addressed as well. And from simply hearing about pancreatic cancer from time to time, uh, my, my understanding is, uh, unlike some other cancers, it's very difficult to treat, and the survival rate is not great. This is unfortunately true. So, you know, as a rule for cancer in general in the United States, especially over the last 25, 30 years, the survivability of virtually every cancer has improved. Uh, quite significantly. All right. So as a, as a patient population, general cancer patients, they're living longer and living healthier than ever before. But unfortunately, we can't, we can't include the pancreatic patients in this. So because of the nature of the disease, when they present, when they're discovered, the, the case is always, almost always advanced. They've already had spread beyond the pancreas and sometimes up above the diaphragm. And so uh, that's the first problem. So the, the diagnosis is later than it is with a lot of the other cancers. That's number one. Number two, the tumor itself, the vast majority of these tumors are a type of cell that does not respond well to chemotherapy. So Ron and Dr. Beria uh, will tell you that we have many types of cancers that are chemoresponsive, but pancreatic cancer isn't one of them. And so really your best chance of survival is already passed when you're diagnosed, and that would be early detection so you could remove the, the tumor before it had spread anywhere, a surgical approach. 
these tumors also don't respond to radiation very well. So our, our treatment options are quite limited, and, and frequently you're looking at more of a palliative care approach, which is a comfort care approach. So you're, unfortunately, our survivable uh, population after five years is only about 12%. So that has increased somewhat over the last 25 years from 9%, but still, this is obviously terrible compared to many of these other cancers, which, you know, you're at over 80 or 90% survivability in five years. Now, is it an equal opportunity cancer? Uh, gender doesn't matter. Age doesn't matter. Ethnicity doesn't matter. We rarely diagnose pancreatic cancer before the age of 40. That's almost unheard of. Uh, it does have a slight male predominance. Uh, so I think it's maybe a 60-40 split. That might be an exaggeration, but not by much. It's slightly more common in men. In terms of uh, equal opportunity, I would say that there's certain lifestyle factors that increase your chance. So if you're a smoker, like many other cancers, you're increasing your chance. There is some evidence that uh, heavy alcohol use will increase your risk of pancreatic cancer. This has been studied extensively, and that's somewhat controversial, what I had just said, but there is some evidence that heavy alcohol use will lead to this. There's certain rare genetic uh, syndromes that can be tracked and that we can test now that would increase your risk. And, of course, family history would increase your risk as well. What about the pancreas itself? For those of us who, who don't know, uh, what does it do? It, it, I know it's involved in producing insulin, but why do we have a pancreas? So the pancreas has two functions, right? So to your point, there is a endocrine function, which is the uh, islets of Langerhans, these beta cells which produce insulin. So that's key for sugar metabolism. And uh, that is a, a rare type of cell that would cause a, a, those would only be one or two out of a hundred of those cells would turn into a pancreatic cancer versus the vast majority. 98% of these cancers come from the other function of the pancreas, which is to produce digestive enzymes, particularly to digest fat. And this leads me to uh, include another risk for pancreatic cancer, which would be recurrent pancreatitis. There are a group of patients who have inflammation of the pancreas, and they unfortunately have a higher risk for pancreatic cancer. And so those cells that I just described are called the exocrine pancreas, and they are uh, so it causes adenocarcinoma if they become malignant. And as I said, those are the ones that are very difficult to treat. How would you know if you have pancreatitis? Uh, that would be similar symptoms to what I described for the cancer, although it would be much more of a painful condition, often with vomiting, and you would be unlikely to have the jaundice. Uh, but you would be, most patients with pancreatitis are so ill that they would seek care. They cannot manage this at home. They would have to go to the emergency room with a family doctor and have tests run urgently, and they would know right away that they had pancreatitis. Now, in, in abdominal pain is the key for that, for pancreatitis. That's what the majority of the patients present with. I agree. Like pain, what they describe it as is pain like they've never experienced before. Yeah, it's severe unavoidable pain. You, you're not going to take a Tylenol with this one, Ron. You are going to come in for care. Wow. All right. Stay with us just a minute. We're going to come right back to you. We're talking about pancreatic cancer, understanding uh, what it does, how it works, treatment, diagnosis, and uh, we're going to find out a little bit about what we might be able to do lifestyle-wise, uh, expanding on what Dr. Root suggested about alcohol and smoking. Maybe there's some foods, maybe some other ways in which you can reduce uh, 
your risk for pancreatic cancer. All that and more coming up in just a moment on Docs in a Pod. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Audrey Barria, and Dr. John Root is with us. He's Wellman at Rockport. And thanks for joining us on Docs in a Pod. I'm Drew Pearson from our friends at WellMed. The right Medicare coverage is important, so is selecting the right doctor. Choosing a WellMed doctor in a Medicare Advantage plan is a great choice. With over 30 years' experience caring for older adults on Medicare, WellMed doctors practice coordinated, compassionate primary care. It's prevention with a personal touch. A WellMed doctor in Medicare Advantage coverage. Why? Because your health matters. Drew Pearson is a paid spokesman. Learn more today. 855-575-2188. We are so pleased you're sticking with us right here on the award-winning Docs in a Pod. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Audrey Barrio, and we're talking with Dr. John Root, who is with WellMed at Rockport uh, down near Corpus Christi, Texas. We're talking about pancreatic cancer. We've been talking about the cancer itself, talking about related symptoms, talking about how you might know you have it. And, And Dr. Root, as you suggested early on, this is a cancer you do not want because the odds of survival are so low. What can you do lifestyle-wise or otherwise uh, to try to avoid it? Well, like, you know, everything, you you need to do what your mother told you, right? So your mother told you not to smoke. She told you to eat your vegetables. She might have told you to keep your weight uh, under control. These are all excellent ways to reduce your chance of most cancers, but especially this one. So on top of that, uh, you know, about half of the pancreatic cancers that we see are in diabetics, especially if their glucose control is not optimal. So this is one where you'd want to work with your doctor to get your glucose control optimized to reduce your risk of pancreatic cancer. And that's because of the relationship between where that cancer forms and what the fat cells in that pancreas are are doing. And they're the ones that are higher risk uh, to develop cancer. I don't know that. I don't know if that's been proven, but to your point, it makes sense. This is the organ where at least some diabetics have issues. But Ron, it's important to remember that most diabetics that we have in America, their pancreas makes more than enough insulin. It's not an insulin production problem. It's an insulin sensitivity problem. So perhaps it isn't the, uh, the insulin that's the issue. It's the high glucose reading. The high glucose may be something, may be causing these uh, cancers to appear. Interesting. So I, I'm a, a big believer in broccoli being the cure-all for everything. Uh, and, and you mentioned eating your vegetables. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming at the top of that list, Dr. Root, is broccoli. Well, uh, that was the top of your list. That's great. Uh, you know, I think as long as it's uh, not been ultra-processed, and it's not a bunch of carbs, uh, I think this would probably meet the requirement, right? So people often ask me, well, we say vegetables. I eat vegetables. Well, then we talk about how many. So you should be eating five servings of vegetables every day. Nobody seems to do this, but that's that's the goal. And just remember, a serving is the size of your fist. So it's a lot of vegetables. Interesting. Well, a head of broccoli will cover that. Okay. It's got to be a big head. Maybe maybe, uh, maybe get some carrots in there on. Audrey. Um, I was going to say, you know, the old saying of fresh fruits and vegetables, I think, I really do think that's key. And to Dr. Root's point of not having processed, so canned uh, 
vegetables or canned fruits. That's not, if you can avoid that, avoid that. Yes. So it seems to me, uh, Dr. Root, I go to my PCP every year or twice a year or so, and they do a bunch of screening tests and they do all kinds of stuff, poking and looking at stuff. Is there one screening for pancreatic cancer that we're missing? So far, we have no effective population-based uh, screening technology for pancreatic cancer. So, you know, it's awful because if we could find these patients early enough, we might be able to make a difference in terms of their survivability. But this has been studied at length, and so far, the risks of the screening outweigh the benefits in terms of survivability for these patients. And so the question comes up, well, what's the risk of the screening? Well, we would end up having to, uh, the only technology that would make any sense would really be a CT scan or an MR, a magnetic resonance. And so for the CT, we have to subject the patient to radiation. It's actually a significant amount of radiation for this scan. And it's been determined that the risk from the radiation increases your risk of cancer greater than the benefit of finding these cancers early. So as from a population standpoint, uh, at this point, as it sits today, we don't have an effective screening technology. But I suspect the next time we get together, we may have some news. We may have something that we could offer. Now, I do want to speak about selected cases. So you may remember I spoke earlier about certain genetic situations or family histories. Right. These patients will come to me and ask for a screening, and we will do an ultrasound uh, frequently for these patients to try to find something. This is a, kind of a case-by-case situation that we can review in the office with a, with a patient. So we do have some options, but uh, population-wide, ultrasound, CT, MR has not been established as an effective technology to screen. What do you see on the ultrasound? Does that uh, show the problems with the pancreas if there are problems? Right. So you have to have the right patient. If the patient's too, uh, you know, has too much abdominal size, the ultrasound's not an effective technology. But if you have the right patients, you can actually see the structure of the pancreas and you're going to look for a mass. You're going to look for something that will stand out as abnormal as a mass. Now, abdominal size was a polite way of saying if they have too much belly fat, you can't see it. Yeah, it makes the ultrasound far less effective, right? The pancreas is really in the center of your body. And so it's, you really can't feel it with your hands as a physician to examine the patients. You, it's very difficult to access. So to, to screen for it, you have to use imaging. And an ultrasound, if there's a big difference between the distance of the skin and the pancreas, you're not going to see much. Interesting. So skinny patients are better off then? For a lot of reasons. For a lot of reasons. <laughs> for for a lot of reasons. They're less likely to get the cancer in the first place. Yeah. So, Audrey, you see this in your patients as well? Yeah. Pancreatic cancer? It's very rare that I do, but unfortunately, by the time we've diagnosed it, it's been too far gone. So, the presenting symptoms are such that when they have all of them, it's usually stage three, four cancer. Wow. What's the best advice then you give a patient who uh, you ultimately do diagnose with pancreatic cancer? I mean, just so saying get the, your affairs in order might be one. So the discussion I like to have with patients, uh, you know, not just with this type of cancer, there's other cancers that are yeah, as bad or worse, unfortunately. It's what does the patient want uh, in terms of expectations? So some patients will tell us, look, I want to be able to go home and be with my family mm-hmm. and make it to my grandson's wedding. That is what I want. And so we're going to work with the patient to try to optimize their level of function 
so they can make that wedding. Other patients say, look, I don't, I don't care what it takes. I want this cancer gone. And so they're going to go to Mayo or they're going to go to MD Anderson or they're going to go to Kettering Sloan. And we're going to use the latest uh, research, investigative drugs and treatments to try to get that patient what they want. So, Ron, it's the, the answer is one size does not fit all. It's all about what the patient wants once they get this terrible news. I had a friend uh, I was telling you off the air with uh, pancreatic cancer. He's he's passed away since, uh, but who uh, had great insurance, great access and went after what's called the Whipple procedure. I never understood what it was. He had it done. He died anyhow. What is a Whipple procedure, Dr. Root? It's uh, basically a complete reroute of your upper intestinal digestive system. So you end up losing a good portion of your pancreas and a good portion of your stomach, and then they reconnect what they can, make sure that your liver uh, is still attached to a portion of your intestine, so this is major, major surgery with even a, even a successful surgery will leave the patient with ongoing digestive problems in most cases because it's that radical. See, you know, and I think that one of the things that I always ask my patients is quality of life. Do they want quantity versus quality? And yep. when you have quality, you're going to be able to do more things of what you want to do knowing what the end result is going to be. And if you're going for quantity, that does not guarantee that it's going to be pain-free and angst-free. I mean, you could be in more pain and feeling very debilitated if you're going after the quantitative. Have we got an option of a, a total pancreas transplant? Grab somebody's healthy pancreas after they passed away and then put it into someone to replace the cancerous pancreas? Well, if you had a, a successful surgical resection that required total pancreatectomy, I suppose in theory that would work, but then you have that intervening period of time where you wouldn't have a pancreas and you have to have a pancreas. I'm not familiar with anyone having this transition from going from a effective surgery, which needs to happen today to get rid of that cancer, and then turning right around and getting a pancreas transplant soon enough to work. So we do have pancreas transplants, but not for this condition. I'm not familiar with that being for this condition. What other conditions are they done for? I had a patient who was a type 1 diabetic who was also a dialysis patient, and he had a kidney pancreas transplant, and he was cured of type 1 diabetes, and he was cured of renal failure. Wow. And having had that transplant, I for him, turned out very well. Yes. He'd like to put, I mean, he's a mid-30s young man, and, you know, he thought he was done for. He had been, you know, just really struggling with his health ever since he was a 12-year-old. And to have this happen uh, really was wonderful to see. Oh, that's incredible. When it comes to pancreatitis, which we were talking about earlier, and before we run out of time, I want to come back to it. Uh, for folks who are listening, uh, what, what you said was the pain becomes so intense that you will seek medical help. Yes. Yeah. If you, so every case of pancreatitis that I've seen has been a very, very sick patient. This isn't somebody that's going to stay at home uh, 
you know, all but the most mild cases. So I'm sure, Ron, we've missed mild cases because they don't seek care. They think they've got, you know, stomach flu or something. But the cases that present to us are always, you know, severe, you know, upper abdominal and mid-back pain, usually with vomiting, usually unable to retain fluids, you know, very, very sick patients. And what's the treatment? So what we do there, given the fact that we know the pancreas makes digestive enzymes, is we have to let the pancreas rest. They can't eat. So they're given IV fluids. And then as they improve, we slowly increase their nutrition by mouth and see how they tolerate that until they can you know, sustain uh, adequate intake. And then they can be discharged from the hospital. So these are hospitalized patients in most cases. Interesting. Well, we are flat out of time, and I really appreciate you coming on. And we're going to get you back in the near future to talk again about and what we need to know about the kind of meds that uh, spread across so many kitchen tables. Thank you, Dr. John Root, WellMed at Rockport. To Dr. Audrey Barria, thank you as well. I'm Ron Aaron. And thank you all for joining us on the award-winning Docs in a Pod. Executive producers for Docs in a Pod are Dan Calderon and Leah Madrano. Our producer is Natalie Ibarra, and associate producer is Isaac Wilker. Thank you for listening to Docs in a Pod, presented by WellMed. We welcome your emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. And be sure to tune in next week for another edition of Docs in a Pod with Dr. Audrey Barria and Ron Aaron. I'm Drew Pearson from our friends at WellMed. The right Medicare coverage is important, so is selecting the right doctor. Choosing a WellMed doctor in a Medicare Advantage plan is a great choice. With over 30 years' experience caring for older adults on Medicare, WellMed doctors practice coordinated, compassionate primary care. It's prevention with a personal touch. A WellMed doctor in Medicare Advantage coverage. Why? Because your health matters. Drew Pearson is a paid spokesman. Learn more today. 855-575-2188.